Welcome back to Sin Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Galatians chapter 2. It reads, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentiles, in order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of the false brothers secretly brought in, who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus, so that they might bring us into slavery, to them we did not yield in submission or even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. And for those who seem to be influential, what they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those, I say, who seemed influential added nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Only they asked us to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their good conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. But if, in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not, for if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. So, Jake, we pick up here in chapter 2, and we obviously know this is a continuation from chapter 1. Paul is a unique thought that he's developing, uh, but he gets into this conflict that has taken place historically for him that he's now going to draw into this conversation with the churches of Galatia to help demonstrate to them how this conflict and its resolution really points to the same issue that he is dealing with here in their church. And so let's look at this conflict. Let's look at what it is, what it isn't. How are we to understand what Paul's talking about here in Galatians chapter 2? Yeah, so for us to understand why Paul is bringing up this conflict, I think it's important for us to note is, I think the main thing that the Galatians are struggling with is that they think they need to be circumcised to become Christians. And I think that's why Paul is bringing up his past in Judaism and how he learned his gospel, and then also how the gospel that he was taught through Christ is the same gospel that the apostles were taught through Christ. And so this issue comes up with Peter that he has separated himself from Judaism and saying that circumcision is not necessary for 
someone to be a Christian. And then once the circumcision party comes and visits Peter, he stops eating with the Gentiles and starts to begin to act like a Jew again, which is Paul's issue here is that Peter is acting hypocritically, and this is only going to harm the Gentiles' view of the gospel. So we see Paul handling this conflict in a specific way, and I don't necessarily think that this is a prescriptive passage on how to handle conflict, but I think it's a good description on what Paul has done and can be an example of how we're to handle conflict. So I think it could be good to visit an example of conflict, maybe in your own ministry or just that you've seen in churches, maybe growing up. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's pretty easy to find conflict when you're dealing with sinful people. Right. And uh, as we think through this, I can think distinctly back to a time in my life where I was at a church and there was a big disagreement over like how Sunday school was supposed to be taught. And as people started to like work through this, there were definitely two big sides. People like went from one place to the other. Everybody like stood in the room on different sides of the room. And it was evident that there was this lack of unity. And so as we worked through that, I was a kid watching them work through this. What they did was said, hey, we need to take this back to God's word. What does God's word say? That's where they went. It's the same thing that Paul does here. Let's go back to God's word. What does God's word say? Paul's situation, that practice of going back to God's word built unity because everyone saw and clearly saw God was saying that and said, yes, let it be so. Let's move forward. The situation that I was in, unfortunately, people were handed the truth and demonstrated the truth from the passages in the scriptures and how it was there. But yet they said, no, we still want to do it this other way. And so it kind of shows you the pattern of like, hey, that's what Paul's writing to these people of Galatia to say, hey, if you're going to go back to the gospel, look at it and say, no, it's actually something different. You're not really part of this. If you're going to take it and change it, you're not really part of this. I saw that in that situation saying, you know, hey, they wanted to still do what they wanted to do despite seeing the truth. And that's where it's appropriate to break fellowship and to say, hey, you know, that means that we're really on different paths here. Luckily here in Paul's situation, that's not what takes place. In the descriptive event that he gives, but what remains to be seen is will the church of Galatia and the churches there, will they actually respond in the same way? And that's why he's writing this. That's why he's giving this historical situation to say, hey, I've kind of dealt with this. This is how it went. What is it that you're going to do here? Yeah, that was awesome and a great example. And I think that as we continue to read through chapter two, we see that the whole purpose of Paul bringing this up is not to just single out one issue that the Galatians are dealing with or uh, that people might deal with in general of the issue of circumcision. But the point is, is that he's getting them back to faith and the fact that Christians are not justified by anything else other than faith and that there's nothing else that is sufficient to justify them before God on the throne when they you know, are judged. The only thing that is sufficient is their faith in Christ and how they live according to that faith in Christ. And obviously that's significant. If they don't hit the mark there, it doesn't really matter any of the rest of the things, which is, I think, you know, why he has the tone he has, which is why he's working through 
these other things. One other thing I really want to bring up, just because we've talked about conflict in here, uh, maybe our listeners are wanting to say, hey, if this is not really a prescription for how I handle conflict, what is that? Where would I go in the scriptures to try to maybe see how I would handle conflict? Where is more of a like really, truly prescriptive passage that might help me to do this as I work with sinful people in my life, as I live surrounded by other people who are hopefully by the grace of God trying to live their life the best way they can? What would you say to somebody who's looking for, hey, where's another place that I could look if I'm really trying to figure out how do I deal with conflict with my friends or in my family or other places with other believers? Where would we go for that? Yeah, so I think it's first important to just talk about what a descriptive and prescriptive passage is. The first being the descriptive passage is pretty easy to understand. It just is simply describing an event or something that's happened or what whatever else you can describe, really. Whereas a, a prescriptive passage would be, this is how you are supposed to handle this thing. So in this example... This is how you're supposed to handle conflict. And a great prescriptive passage that we can find, uh, and that pretty much um, churches all around the world use for their church discipline, is Matthew 18. Matthew 18 is a clear passage on how to handle conflict within the church. Yeah, so... Obviously, they can go back to Matthew chapter 18, you know, specifically verse 15 is what we're talking about there, 15 through 20, saying, hey, go back, go before your brother, tell him what it is alone. Hey, if that doesn't work, bring somebody else with you. If that doesn't work, bring him before the church. That's kind of the principles there. But there is something too. hey, in private, talking about conflict, right? If you have somebody, there's situations where, hey, this is a good time to maybe talk to them and say, hey, I've noticed this versus doing it in front of everybody else. And so there's wisdom in that, walking through that. That's why we say that's a prescriptive passage. It's telling us, hey, this is the right way to do things. And so that's really good for us to think on, really good for us to reflect on. As we reflect here in Galatians 2, as Paul is challenging the way of thought of this Galatian believers so that they can hopefully be found to be in the truth and to be following the truth, and that this might be a necessary time in their life where somebody is bringing some correction to get them back on the right path. And so as you walk through this passage today, maybe there are some other questions you want to look into about that conflict, about what it truly means to be justified, about how they're being tripped up in those things. Walk through that, talk through that with others, and hopefully as you do so, you'll be growing in your understanding of what God's trying to communicate to you about the way in which you will be living your life in the midst of others around you who may not agree on all of those things. So may you be emboldened in your faith today, grow in your love for the Lord, and know today you were loved.